Hi, this is John Hartram. Welcome to episode 18 of Valleys of Numenor. Today is the final part of our look at the story of Conan the Cimmerian, as told in the Numidian Chronicles, Conan the Conqueror. Conan battles a resurrected wizard and a group of usurpers to regain his throne and gain a queen in the process. Then we'll look at other stories the chronicles do not tell, including the king's voyage across the Western Sea. Around five years after Conan took the crown, peace seemed to be coming to the Hyborian world. Like many regents, the king of Aquilonia enjoyed a seraglio of women from many lands. Conan was no exception, and made sure to treat them all well. They, in return, treated him with the respect he deserved. His children with them were many. Since he had not chosen one of them to be his queen, none of them would be eligible to be heir to the throne. Considering how he took the throne, it's not surprising the Cimmerian did not consider this important. But he did treat them as he treated their mothers, and because of this, none of them ever rose up against their father. However, it was also this fact that allowed an opening for plotters to once again try to take the kingdom from him. The trouble started when King Numa's son Nemed, who had recently risen to the throne of the media, died of a strange ailment. This disease also took the lives of his sons, but oddly few others in the kingdom. This left Nimid's brother Taraskus next in line, and he assumed the crown. He then championed the cause of Valerius, Numedides' exiled cousin for the throne of Aquilonia, and commanded an invasion of the neighboring country to secure the royal lineage. The Numidian army was led by the Baron of Tor, Amaric, who shared his name with Conan's old mercenary leader, but none of his bravery, honesty, and integrity. Conan sent his army out to meet the Numidians in the Valley of Valkia with thousands of his soldiers. The night before the battle, Conan had a dream where his life was laid out in front of him, but at the end a black shadow emerged and stabbed him in the arm. He fell paralyzed and could not move from the bed. Knowing the army needed their king, he ordered Valanus, who was similar to the king in height and breadth, to put on his armor and lead them into battle. The next day, Valanus, in Conan's black armor, rode out and led the army into the valley. A squire watched the battle and reported to the king on its progress. All was going well when suddenly the cliffs on either side of the canyon collapsed, wiping out the entire fighting force. Conan could move again but was weakened when Taraskus in a figure in black robes rode into the camp. The Numidian king was stunned to see him alive, but his companion was not. The Cimmerian recognized him as the figure in his dream. He tried to fight but could not sustain himself and collapsed again. The stranger had him taken away on a cart to Belverus, the capital of Numidia. Taraskus wanted to kill him, but the robe won one out. Once at the king's palace, the stranger introduced himself as Zaltotan, and he was a wizard of some kind. He tried to get Conan to be his servant, but the Cimmerian would have none of it. He was taken to the dungeons and chains, and the wizard reminded him of the old proverb, the sword that slays the king cuts the cord of the empire. He also read to him the writing of an ancient oracle. The black lion banner sways and falls in the horror-haunted gloom. The scarlet dragon rustles by, borne on the winds of doom. The shining horsemen lie in heaps where their thrusting lances break. And deep in the haunted mountains, the black gods awake. Dead hands grope in the shadows. The stars turn pale with fright. For this is the hour of the dragon. The triumph of fear and night.
Conan sat in his prison until nightfall. As the moon rose, a slim figure approached his door. A girl dropped keys for his chains in the door at his feet. When he took the chains off and opened the door, he saw her dressed as one from the king's seraglio. Her name was Zenobia, and she was one the king never paid any attention to. She had seen Conan on a previous visit and wished she was with him. The Chimerian was suspicious, but the girl handed him a knife to protect himself, so he trusted her. Conan went ahead into the depths of the dungeon when he was attacked by a giant ape. Thanks to the knife, he was able to kill the beast before it caused any worse injuries. Had the girl not set him free, the beast would have killed him in his chains. So when she told him she had a horse for him outside, he trusted her. But as he neared the exit, he saw Tarascus enter into his chamber under some kind of spell. The barbarian wanted revenge at that moment and thought this was the best opportunity. He overheard the Numidian king and another talk about Zaltatun and how he was awakened by the priest Erastes. Once the other man left, carrying something the king gave to him, Conan went to kill Tarascus, but tripped on the drape he hid behind. The Chimerian deeply wounded the Numidian king, but did not kill him. Tarascus screamed, and his guards came towards his chamber. Conan and Zenobia headed towards the outside wall. The Chimerian ripped the bars out of the wall, kissed the slave girl goodbye, and swore he would return for her. During his escape, Conan battled an Numidian adventurer and took his outfit as his disguise. As he rode towards the border with Aquilonia, he found four soldiers trying to hang an old woman. The king would not stand for this and attacked the men, killing them all. The woman Salada was thought to be a witch and showed she had supernatural powers by calling him by name, having never seen him before. He spent the night at her home in safety. She showed him through magic his kingdom was in danger, which reinforced his idea to return as soon as possible. He also saw in the vision a strange jewel he did not recognize. As he left, she gave him one piece of advice, find the heart of his kingdom. Once over the border, Conan quietly went to the home of Servius, owner of a large estate. He reported to the king what was going on. Valerius had been set up on the throne, and Amalric used his forces to keep the rebel provinces in line. The king thought about trying to reach Proatain, where he could regroup with Trosero and Prospero to help take back the kingdom. But Servius then gave him the news that his ally, the Countess Albiona, would be executed at midnight at the Iron Tower for rejecting the new king's advances. Conan swore he would rescue her and set out right then for Tarantia. Disguised as a one-eyed wanderer, he made his way into Tarantia and waited until nightfall before making his way into the tower through a way only he knew. Once inside, he found the executioner, killed him, and put on his mask. The countess was being abused by three men who were offering her one last chance. She refused, and they called for the headsman. Conan entered, tore off his mask, and used the axe to butcher the three men right there in the cell. He then took the countess and made his way out through secret passages. Since he knew the underground tunnels would be dangerous and didn't know what surprises Tamar held, he went back out the way he came onto the street. Some guardsmen tried to stop him, but he took care of them in short order. Suddenly, several figures in black surrounded them, but beckoned the king to follow them, saying they were loyal subjects. After some time, they ended up in the Temple of Ashura, and the leader of the group announced himself as the head priest, Hadrathus. Conan had defended them when the priests of Mitra tried to have them removed from the city. Albiona was suspicious of them, but the king sensed they had nothing to fear. The priest then told him that Zaltatun was a revived sorcerer from the ancient kingdom of Acheron. The only thing that could feed him was a jewel called the Heart of Araman. 
Conan then realized it was that jewel that Tarascus gave to the man he saw with him the night he escaped. Conan and Albiona would go to Trosro and Partain, where the countess could be protected. Then the king would set out to find the heart on his own. Meanwhile, Valerius found out Albiona had escaped and Conan was still alive. He called on four Kitaeans to hunt down and kill the Chimerian themselves. Once in Poitain, the two travelers arrived at Trosro's estate. The count told the king they should create their own kingdom with the sections of Zangara that border the Alaman River. But Conan refused and said he ruled Aquilonia and nothing else. Trosro's men caught what they thought was a spy near the castle but it was a servant of Ashura searching for Conan. He told him the jewel had not yet reached the sea. Tarascus' man had been killed by a thief and was now in the hands of the Cothian merchant, Serathus. He was bound for Mizantia, so Conan set out for there as well. The Chimerian dressed as he did when he traveled with the free companions. In Zangara, he came upon the group of rogues led by Velbroso and Beloso. Seeing he was dressed as a veteran outlaw, they invited him to join with them. Conan was unsure until they told him about their latest captive, a Cothian merchant with a large box they could not open. He thought that must be Zarathus and agreed to join them. At their lair, he found Zarathus on a rack on the verge of death. When Conan came up to him, the Cothian recognized him and told him to let Valbroso open the box. The merchant told the Zingaran the secret of how the box opened. As Valbroso opened it, a piece of the lock cut his finger. Zarathus then told him the edge was covered in poison from a Stygian serpent, which would cause death in a matter of minutes. His words proved true, and the bandit fell to the ground, the jewel slipping out of his hands. When Conan went for it, Beloso got there first and fled. Conan was able to track him to Mizantia, and there he knew there was only one person who knew every entrance and exit of travelers, both legitimate and illegitimate. The merchant Publio had kept Conan supplied with both food and information during his days sailing the Western Ocean from his time on the Black Coast to the Varakan pirates and Zingaran buccaneers. The portly Argosian was surprised, but happy to see his old acquaintance. It turned out he had heard of someone fitting Beloso's description arriving a few days earlier. He sent the king to the house of Servio, but when he arrived there, he found Beloso dead, the jewel missing, and men coming out of the woodwork. He tried to fight all of them off, but was knocked unconscious. Back in his chambers, Publio had the Kitaian visitors in search of the king. He swore he didn't know him, but a servant came in and said the king had likely been killed. Conan awoke on a ship, the Venturer. Its captain, Demetrio, told him they were bound for Stygia, which was exactly where he wanted to be going. The symbol of the Black Hand of Set was found on Beloso, and the maker of that symbol was almost certainly a Stygian, and he had the jewel. When he inquired the captain if he'd seen a ship, Demetrio told him to be silent or else he'd be flogged. The two began to struggle, which Conan won easily by wrenching his arm out of its socket and taking an axe off the wall. When he leapt onto the deck, he called out to several of the sailors he'd known from his days on the Tigris. The men immediately sprang up and attacked the other sailors. Soon they were in charge of the ship, and Conan was their captain once more. The ship sailed up the river Styx past Kemi, where Conan had once destroyed the Stygian fleet. This time they went by in silence and lay anchor in the bay. There they spoke to a fisherman who said there was word the priest Thuthothemes had returned from Byzantia with treasure he had hoped to use to overthrow Thothamon, who ruled Stygia once more with the return of his ring. Conan surmised this could only be the heart of Armand and set out for the temples alone under cover of night. 
Cronin sailed into the city and made his way to the temple of Set, where as likely Thutothemes was hiding. On his way in, he came upon a group of people worshipping and a girl who was preparing to be a sacrifice to a snake called the Son of Set. But when it emerged, it went for Conan instead of his usual victim. The Chimerian pulled a knife, jammed it into the creature's neck, and split its skull. The worshippers called out so Conan had to hide where he could. He saw a procession of priests led by Thuthothemes and followed him. But he ran into a guard and had to fight him off. Once he continued to catch up, he ran into a woman in a hallway. She promised not to reveal him and went to an inner chamber. Conan looked at the large sarcophagus sitting in the middle of the room and read the name Akivasha. There was a legend she was the daughter of a powerful priest who learned the secret of eternal life. When he looked inside the coffin, it was empty. It was then he realized the woman with him was Akivasha. She came at him and tried to bite his throat, but the Chimerian was able to push her off. Making his way deeper into the temple, he found what he was looking for on a giant altar. Thutothemes was holding the heart of Aramon over the body of an ancient mummy. Suddenly, the four Catayans entered the temple and demanded to see Conan. The priests attacked them and killed three before the fourth was able to kill the Stygian. Conan raced down to the mummy and the heart. After a short standoff where the king found out who the men were, he killed the fourth one before the Catayans' poison staff touched him. He went to get the jewel, but it was in the hands of the mummy, who was now alive. The undead being arose from the altar, then reached into its body and gave the jewel over to Conan. The king asked who he was, and the being replied two sentences. I was Thothmecri. I am dead. It was the ancient prince whose treasure was stolen by Tyrannicos and ended up helping the Chimerian take the throne of Aquilonia. Now he would help the king once more by leading him out of the temple into his ship. There is a legend the undead prince returned to the temple and joined his former love, Akavasha, before setting the entire temple on fire, destroying them both. But that is only one legend. In Aquilonia, all was not well with the plotters. Trosero was leading the rebel provinces in defiance of Valerius, while Tarascus wondered why he hadn't seen Zaltatun in months. The priest Orestes came to the Nemedian monarch and told him the resurrected wizard now wanted to revive the entire ancient kingdom of Acheron which would rule over all the Hyborian world. They decided they would need the heart of Aramon themselves to destroy him. Just then the sorcerer entered and struck Arastes dead. He then told them Conan was indeed alive. When they didn't believe him, he threw a rolled parchment onto the table. Both kings unscrolled it and read, To Zaltatun, Grand Fakir of Nemedia and Dog of Acheron, I am returning to my kingdom and mean to hang your hide from the Iron Tower, Conan. The Chimerian had rejoined Trosero and Poitain and set out for the Shirk River and the town of Tamasul. It was there Zaltatum would stop them once and for all. He cast a spell which sent torrential rains on the valley and turned the river into a flooding mass. But when the sentries returned, they reported Conan and the army crossed the river unhindered. In the valley, Conan had given the jewel to Hadrathus and Zaleda, since they know how to use its power to defeat the wizard. The two disguised themselves and entered into the camp of the Nemedians. There they were able to kill Valerius and destroy the wizard once and for all. On the battlefield, once they realized Zaltatun's protection was gone, the Nemedian army soon fell and Almaric died at its head. The Aquilonians surrounded Tarascus and the king offered his surrender. He would give over any lands and castles he had in the neighboring country. He then asked what he needed to do to live. Conan asked for only one thing, 
the girl Zenobia would be the only ransom he wanted. His words for her became legend. She was a slave in the media, but I will make her queen of Aquilonia. It is here the chronicles end regarding the story of Conan of Cimmeria and Aquilonia. However, it is not the end of the legends surrounding him. Some tales have the path to the wedding a treacherous one, with enemies striking at Zenobia to reach Conan. There is one story where Conan later refuses to marry her and not have a legacy of his children, but made her regent. But most of the tales indeed have Conan taking the Nemedian as his queen. An oft-told legend says soon after the nuptials she was kidnapped by the wizard Ya Cheng of Kitai, who was the master of the four killers who sought Conan and now took his revenge. Conan rallied old allies far and wide as he traveled to the east to rescue his queen. The two were parents of several children. Most stories have them as two sons and a daughter, with the elder boy named after his father but nicknamed Khan. Many of Conan's enemies had been defeated. There are tales Aquilonia and Stygia went to war, and their leaders Conan and Tothamon fought a battle to the death as lifelong rivals. But though the two had several interactions in common, they rarely, if ever, met. It is more likely they kept each other at a distance in an uneasy stalemate, each not wanting to incur the wrath of the other. One kingdom Conan did want to challenge was the northern land of Hyperborea. As the chronicler mentioned, the king was a captive of theirs when he was younger. For decades, they had remained silent and kept to their own borders. But when Conan's ally Sonia assumed the throne of Hyrcania, the Hyperboreans struck and attacked the Vilia kingdom. The king sent word to the Devi Yasmina for aid, and called up many of the same men who aided him in taking the throne. But this time the Hyperboreans were able to rally back to their country and protect their capital. A harsh winter trapped the desert warriors unprepared, and only through Sonia's aid did any of them survive. Conan made a strategic retreat of his own through the Nordheim lands back to Chimeria. Hyperborea had been put back in its own lands, but at a heavy price. The cold winter that had struck Hyperborea stretched far to the south and made farming difficult for a number of years. With food starting to run short, Conan blamed himself for some of the mistakes in Hyperborea. He called on Pelias not for magic, but to see how the land could be aided. The wizard showed him there was a land across the western ocean that grew plants that could survive difficult weather while still growing in any soil. Unable to find Valeria, Conan sent word for another old ally, the Vanir Sigurd. They'd raided together as Moroccan pirates, and now the giant red-bearded warrior had a legitimate fleet of his own. Conan left the kingdom in the hands of his 15-year-old son, Khan, and called upon his other sons of the Seraglio to defend his kingdom if any tried to attack. Conan and Sigurd then set off from Byzantia to sail far beyond where any vessel had ever sailed. After two months of sailing, they reached a new land. The place where they first landed was inhabited by a race of picked-like men. Conan was able to gather some of the plants there. Then the tribal shaman told him they needed to sail further south to find the other things they were looking for. After several more weeks, they reached a warm land with people who resembled the ones from Zuktal. It is rumored Conan battled a demon there and earned a new name. Whether Conan returned depends on the story. Some lose track of him in the new land. Others have him return to fight a final battle alongside his son. Another has him fall into a sleep only to be awakened to do battle with Tothamon. There are even stories he joined an ancient king and a modern one in a pitched battle for survival, but was left out of the virgin related by the chronicler. But the tales of the Hyborian age that have survived come from two sources. 
One is the ancient book known in the modern language as Unesprachlichtenkulten, or Nameless Cults, as translated by Frederick Wilhelm von Junst. It is difficult to tell if there are more parts of the Chronicles in the book, as all who have read it die a horrible death. The other sections of the story come from an unlikely place, an eyewitness. A disabled Texan named James Allison told numerous stories before his death of life he claimed to have lived. The stories of Shevatas and Amarek the Aquilonian, among others, come from him. He also claims to have defeated Satha eons later in a land known as the Valley of the Worm, but that is a legend for another time. Here ends the legend of Conan the Barbarian, born of Chimeria, king of Aquilonia. The story of the heart of Araman is contained in Hour of the Dragon. Many thanks to the chronicler Robert E. Howard. Other parts of the tales were related by Elsprog de Camp, Bjorn Nyberg, Lynn Carter, Roy Thomas, Carl Edward Wagner, Kurt Busiek, Tim Truman, and Dale Ripke. Next time, we'll look at the whole universe of Robert E. Howard, a world that extends from the ancient eras of Call of Atlantis to the Pictish king Bran MacMorn, Irish warrior Black Turlo O'Brien, Juridan warrior Solomon Kane, desert adventurer El Barak, and Detective Steve Harrison and John Kerwin, as well as Sailor Steve Costigan and Brecker and Jelkins. That's next time on Valleys of Numenor. I'm John Harcher. Thank you for listening to all seven parts.